Hello, Hallmarkies and Postables, and welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. We are so excited today to be talking about the next episode in Deliver Me a Podcast, where we discuss episode eight of Sign Seal Delivered, Dark of Night. I am Jess, and I am your host today, and with me I have Casey. Hello, everybody. And we also have Cammie. Hello. And if you're tuning in, jump on over to YouTube because we have a very special guest today. Welcome to the podcast, Lane Edwards. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and so um, before we begin our discussion of the episode, we want to throw out a brief disclaimer about the content of this episode. Um, you know, this is Hallmark Channel. Um, a series, but the episode does contain more serious content. It does discuss uh, sexual assault and rape of one of the uh, characters. So we just want to throw that out there for any listeners um, or anyone who might want to show this to their children or anything later on. All right. So to start us off, Lane, from what I can tell, this was your first role with Hallmark was doing this episode. Is that correct? I think it was. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, this show has been a catalyst for a lot of <laughs> Hallmark actors since it was the first for Kevin McGarry and now it's the now it's the first for Lane. Wow. This <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was really grateful for this one. Martha, I think, took a risk um in hiring me and and uh um she gave us a lot of freedom and a lot of safety to be able to play with, like you said, this kind of difficult subject matter. But the most important thing to her was that we told the truth about it. So it was a good opportunity um, for, for a first role um, with Hallmark. Well, you did a heck of a job. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, so I was curious, um, kind of knowing maybe at the time what you knew about Hallmark Channel and the type of movies and episodes and things like that they produce, were you surprised about the content of this episode seeing it was definitely a more serious a little bit of a darker you know content was that surprising to you at all sure yeah it was definitely surprising and we had a lot of we had a lot of conversations about it um because we knew at even at the time that we were sort of pushing the boundaries around what hallmark viewers were were used to seeing and what mm -hmm. hallmark um what the network was used to to putting out uh, and we knew that we were, we knew that, that it, it was a risky episode. Um, but Scott Smith and I had a lot of conversations off the beginning. And one of the themes that, that kept coming up was that this wasn't uh, an episode about um, a sexual assault and a rape. This was really an episode about forgiveness and peace. And so mm -hmm. while we were shooting it, we really tried to keep that in mind that the story that we were telling was about, um, Michael's journey back to himself through forgiveness and grace and peace. And um, as long as we kept sort of that in mind, and as long as that was our focus, we really kind of felt like the rest was up to the incredible writing um, that Martha Williamson put together. And if we could just tell the truth about it, that that was what would come through. And, and I think that's kind of, we, we hope that that's what connected with viewers. Um, because yeah, it was it was it was risky. It pushed a lot of boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most definitely. And I believe you played it very fantastically. I mean, especially in such a short episode, you know, forty-five minutes. That's a lot 
but it's not a lot of time to see somebody's growth and to see someone's forgiveness from, you know, anger and then rage and then forgiveness at the end. And I don't know, it was a very touching episode that, and I felt it was done very beautifully. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I've, the, uh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go. Okay. <laughs> I've, uh, I've kind of uh, developed a little habit of saying I blame time because in these short episodes, these stories are incredible, but we don't get to, we don't get to uh, explore all the facets of the stories like we do in the movies. But this is one episode where I felt that everything was covered, everything was explained, everything was felt, and I had no reason to say I blame time. Yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, I I think you can, again, I think you can really credit Martha Williamson and and Scott Scott Smith for a lot of that. Martha with her writing, um, the way that she wrote my relationship with uh, my daughter um, was really a big part of his growth and his redemption. You get a sense Mm -hmm. in the time jump that even though he knows that his daughter isn't his, He's still, he's still spent her life raising her as if she is. Right, And that exactly. spoke a lot to his character. And um, a lot, ju- not, not so much to his growth necessarily, but just to the kind of man that he was. And that kind of allows you to jump, that kind of allows you to jump past and to be on his side um, pretty quickly, I, I think. But th- I think that's, that's a, a credit to Martha. And, I, and I also, I think the, the, uh, the, the, <laughs> Uh, hair and 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 makeup and wardrobe for just the time jumps. I mean, I went from I went from in my early twenties or mid twenties to my almost fifties in that show over the course of that show. Right. And they did a <laughs> fantastic did. job. Those beards were legit, and uh, and not mine. Believe it or not. I was just going to ask that. Was the beard yours? Spoiler alert. No, it's much easier to, it's pretty hard to grow, it's pretty hard to grow and shave a beard over the course of the a shoot. So yeah. those, were all, uh, those were all put on and, and they did a fantastic job. So that, I think that really sort of helped as well. But, um, and then again, uh, Scott and, the, and, the, and the, the environment that he provided, um, which allowed us to take a lot of risks and really honor that, honor that writing. It allowed, it, he really allowed for a safe space to be able to take some of the risks that we took. Uh, and I think that helped in telling the story. I definitely, there was definitely a risk that you don't do that story justice and people end up disappointed. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think we, we, uh, we tried to, tried to tell the truth as much as we could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think it was a risk that paid off. I think those themes definitely came through very clearly um, to viewers. Well, um, and it's clear and with that delicate, and I just mm-hmm. it was it was handled so delicately, but there was all the truth told. It's just it was beautiful. It was brilliant writing, and then brilliantly mm-hmm. acted. So no, but she, it, was, <laughs> it was brilliant writing. And here's here's something you should know. This is a bit of an actor's secret. We always say. Uh, bad good bad writing is really hard to learn and good writing just kind of comes off of your off of your it just comes out immediately mm-hmm. and I mean even in the audition the the scene uh, I don't know where we where we are sort of in the episode but there were some pretty big scenes with some pretty long heavy monologues and they just came right off they were just so they were so beautifully written mm. um, and again I mean it's it, it makes a huge difference I hate to I, I, I 
I hate to keep bringing it up over and over again about how Martha <laughs> Williamson's writing, but from the, from the get-go working with her, it really resonates with me. And I think that's, um, I think I come from a lot of the same background as a lot of our audience. And I think that's why it, it resonates. She writes for, she writes this material with, with just such beauty and she's able to find intimacy without without crossing boundaries and she's able to find drama without crossing boundaries and and she's able to tell the mm -hmm. truth um about about that stuff without crossing boundaries and that's hard to do it's it's really hard to do and she's really really good at it really good at it well we gush about her all the time in yeah. her writing so <laughs> you're not alone yeah. you're sitting somewhere right now going i'm not hiring you again stop it <laughs> oh we, come we on not another kim sickle <laughs> i was about to say we don't get another up. movie hey. with lester <laughs> hey, i wasn't gonna bring that up but since you brought it up feel free to keep bringing it up <laughs> <laughs> well you got our vote <laughs> All right. So on that note, let's jump into the episode. Sure. Um, so we start off uh, in a hospital. We see a candy striper rushing around. She's clearly trying to get somewhere. And she ends up in a woman's room who is dying, as we um, find out. Uh, and little Hallmark trivia, that, that woman is played by the lovely Kimberly Sustad, which you'll recognize from many other Hallmark productions. And uh, this woman, whose name is Melissa, writes a note and gives it to the candy striper saying it must go out. It needs to get out and sent. Um, and then she ends up coding and dying in the hospital. And then we see the candy striper put the letter in a book that's in a little like traveling library thing. Um, and she turns away to go help a patient. And another patient just creeps in there and grabs that book that has the letter. And that is how our letter becomes lost for the dead letter office. So did anyone have any initial impressions with this scene? We get thrown into a pretty intense scene and a lot thrown on us in just those first few minutes before the opening, uh, the opening like theme song. Did anyone have any initial impressions or thoughts? I think that I think that this is the most dramatic beginning since To Whom It May Concern. It's, I mean, usually it kind of starts out a little bit slow or thoughtful or something like that, but this is someone running, you know, and obviously in a very big, urgent hurry. And I think that it's the most dramatic beginning since To Whom It May Concern. Yeah. And it hooked know, me in we, a way. We know right off the bat the stakes are going to be high in this episode. Yeah. This is, this is almost like, it's almost like Martha saying strap, the, on the bottom of the screen, it could say strap yourselves in. That could be the subtitle, you know? Brace yourselves um, for the flight. Brace yourself. It's going to be this a multi uh, ride. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it because, I mean, I was not expecting the storyline going in at all. So brace yourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, if I can say something about that scene, that Candy Striper is a wonderful actress named Nicole Munoz, who's uh, uh, a local Vancouver actress. And um, she, over the course of the day, Kimberly and I are, Kimberly and I are very good friends. She, we're, we're close pals. And uh, we've been hanging out the whole time. And we're, we, we have, you know, we have a, a shorthand and we have a sense of humor that's maybe different than other people. And, on, and Nicole, I think, I think we were, you know, in our late 30s mid 30s and nicole was i think like 20 or 19 or 20 years old and and she came up to us at one point we we're kind of hanging out at crafty and she kind of she kind of poked her head over and she goes hey uh you guys mind if i hang out with you 
Oh. <laughs> we're like, of course, of course. She's uh. like, good. I think you guys are the coolest people here. <laughs> and we're like, oh my God. <laughs> we're like, yeah, you can hang out with us every day, all day. You're good. We're the cool kids. She was so sweet. And she really, she's a really talented actress and, and dancer. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was, it was, it was pretty fun to work with her that day. Oh, that's adorable. That she is absolutely <laughs> adorable. Yeah. It sounds like something I would have done if I had been a small part it, at 19. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure if you asked her about it now, she goes, I don't remember that. I never said that. <laughs> All right. So we jump to our postables and we see Shane and Becky. And Becky lets it slip or deliberately tells Shane that Oliver heard the entire conversation that Shane and Becky had about him. And so Shane is mortified <laughs> because she was gushing about Oliver and uh, all of those other things. And then of course he walks in and she does not know how to react. And she's like, transfer me, Becky. <laughs> Let me come with you. <laughs> it's kind Take of like back that to moment. Washington with you, please. <laughs> it's kind of like that moment in Friends when they're like, they know that I know that they know that you know. Yes, <laughs> like, that's exactly what I thought about when when she was saying that <laughs> in that part. Yeah, so Oliver comes in with their new assignment, and it's a 10-year-old letter that was found in a Bible, and it's got doodles all over the front of the letter, so the information is obscured. And they found this letter in the possession of a patient at a mental health facility, hence all the doodles. And the letter is found in the page of the Bible, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Oliver is able to pick out that verse from the page, mm. and we find that is a theme that we see that's, in this episode. That's, that's a pretty good example of some incredible Martha Williamson writing right there. We talk Absolutely. often about her weaving about yes. just the way she weaves the and <laughs> intertwines everything and just how everything flows together in just this amazing and one-of-a-kind way. Yeah. Absolutely. And so we begin to hear the letter's story. And it's a letter from Melissa to her husband, Michael. And it begins with a, a bit of a flashback of Michael seeing his wife with another man in front of a hotel. And ends up, turns out that that man is her ex-boyfriend and also his best friend. So there's some interesting dynamics there. And he just immediately assumes that there's something untoward happening, that something must have been going on um, between the two of them. And then we jump to Melissa in the hospital and him finding out that his wife and daughter were in a car accident. And he learns that he cannot give blood because he's not a match, because his daughter, he is not the biological father of Abby, his daughter. And so immediately we have the beginnings of this story and the, the heartbreak of it. It just, ri what? river rafting, river rafting accident. Yeah, a, it was a river rafting. Oh, river rafting, sorry, yeah, not car accident. Big, Thank you. The big part <laughs> of that story is, is, that on, is that in front of the hotel, I'm supposed to be on that river rafting trip with them. And I tell them, no, I think you should go by yourselves because... Um, I think you should go by yourselves. I need a break. I need some time away from you. And you guys need to go and have some mother daughter time. So you guys go. So there's, there's a, there's a certain amount of culpability that ends up kind of coming through. I have to deal with, I have to deal with the guilt of not being there with them. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's part of Michael's story. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he accuses her of having the affair with the best friend, right? In that moment. In that moment. Right. Pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. He he jumps that to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it was. Um, that it was the the ex-boyfriends because then the letter goes on to tell the harrowing story um, that he's not the father, not because it was the ex-boyfriends, but because Melissa was raped the night before their wedding when she went out to celebrate her friends. And there's a line in that letter that literally just hits me so hard. And it's when she says, I don't remember everything, Michael, but I know he said he was going to kill me, except he didn't. But that night, I wanted to die just the same. And those words are just so powerful because they're they're poetic in a, a tragic sort of way. And we, with this, those few sentences, Martha allows us to feel those emotions. We don't see any of the attack. You know, this is Hallmark. We don't see anything. We don't even hear the word rape in the episode. Yet we so clearly and deeply feel Melissa's pain. It's almost as if we were there. You know, we can feel it so well. And so... Yeah, well, and uh, in the scene, that letter is is in the in the scene that um, I'm by her grave, which which will I think come up a little later when when I actually have the opportunity to read the letter and I'm at her grave for the first time in however long. Those words are written on the piece of paper that I'm reading. That letter was handwritten by the props department. So I I so oh. being able to connect to those words in that scene was everything everything i mean it was no it's it it was easy to emotionally be there because i had that writing and those words right in front of me you didn't have to fake it didn't have to fake a thing didn't have to fake a thing no i was yeah no that was that was again like the and and yeah that that letter and the way that she's able to bring you there into that place was was beautiful Well, and it's amazing how much Michael is dealing with. I mean, first he's not, he, he doesn't go on the trip and then he is still a little miffed because he saw his wife with his best friend when things are good and her ex-boyfriend when things are going wrong. (laughs) And so for, uh, and then on top of that, he finds out that Abby is his daughter and then his wife dies and he has to live with the fact that he was angry with her when she died and he is left to raise the daughter that isn't biologically his but is his oh gosh I'm gonna cry because she said she you will always be her daddy (laughs) and and he did go on with that which we know is absolutely incredible of the character so but it just it struck me how much michael is dealing with friends but also and but he's also dealing the thing that he's dealing with that's the thing that he's the thing that he's dealing with the most or maybe in order for him to be able to deal with that he has to walk away from melissa he doesn't visit her he never he doesn't visit her once at her grave he doesn't he doesn't have anything to do with her for 12 years he doesn't want anything to do with her memory or anything he just wants mm-hmm. to raise his daughter i was curious and about that because it go- doesn't it doesn't say that in the in the episode and so that's that's very interesting backstory that time that he goes to her grave is the first time he's been to her grave in 12 years wow. oh my word wow yeah. So he's carrying, so he's dealing with this 
this constant cloud of bitterness as well. And in spite of all of that, he's, you know, become a district attorney. He's raising his daughter uh, uh, well. They're best friends. I mean, we decided that she was his best friend. You know, and the, the, because we just felt like that was really important to, to his character, to that kind, to, mm-hmm. to, to the kind of person that he is. Absolutely. He can't just be a, a grumpy, a grumpy, sad, mad man. That's, that's <laughs> not interesting. He needs mm-hmm. to be grumpy and sad and mad and capable of, of, of uh, being a great father. That's real. That's the truth. Those are all the different, those are all the different sides of a person. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to look at a person and just see that one thing and assume you're just a great dad. You must not be depressed. You must not be, you know, sad and angry. And, 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 and then something horrible happens. And we go, God, I never knew. Well, I think a lot of the time that's because we don't see uh, the, all the different sides that make up a human being and a person. And, uh, and for him, I think it was really important to me and Scott and, and uh, to, 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 to tell the truth about all the parts of, of Michael. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Gosh, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's I'm an what actor. this episode like is about. It's <laughs> <laughs> emotions. Um, and so in the, in the letter, we also learned two other important pieces of information. One is that she didn't tell anybody. She didn't report her crime because he, uh, her attacker ended up in prison from a different attack from another woman um, and that the daughter had some kidney damage. She lost one of her kidneys. And so we learned a little bit of her uh, medical story there. So there are two other important things that we learn. Yeah. Um, and the postables very quickly track down Michael uh, who's running for office. They send the letter off to his, his office and um, they're left feeling desolate and sad as we are. And then we see, Shane and a little bit of levity from the the heaviness of this episode because she cannot let this rest. She needs closure. She needs to see the ending. And so she goes to the office and just (laughs) tries to covertly make up some investigative reason that she needs to be there (laughs) on official post office business and is spying on Michael. And so, yeah. I mean, even she goes as far as to stand right outside the door and try to be a sleuth and is listening and leading and it just, oh my word. Oh, Kristen, I love her Kristen line at the was end. Great there. And then at the end, she's just like, oh, uh, wrong zip code. And then bolts to, to follow Michael. Well, in that moment, I was kind of like, what are you trying to find out, Shane? <laughs> like, are you, are you planning it so that it's his lunch break? You're kind of guessing. So that was kind of a fun moment for sure. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. They are the good folks over at Sundance Now. And this is a really exciting streaming service. We're all looking for more and more content these days, different things we can stream. 
And, you know, in a prepackaged world when it comes to TV, we're spoon fed reality junk, competitive dating shows, and singers behind masks. And uh, we need stories. Uh, we need uh, things that are a little bit more thoughtful, that are a little bit deeper, that challenge us a little bit more. And uh, don't you want something that's good for your TV soul? This is a great time to check out Sundance Now. Sundance Now is an ad free streaming service created by AMC Networks for people who appreciate thought provoking storytelling and fresh perspectives. If meaningful shows are your escape, then Sundance Now is the destination. Sundance Now offers the best of true crime series, dramas, and thrillers from all over the world. Their original series, McMafia, State of the Union, and The Cry have received international praise and awards. You can, you can stream Sundance Now on all your favorite devices. Just download the app or watch online and discover exclusive shows from around the world instantly. And one thing that uh, the Hallmarkies crowd will really enjoy is they have an entire section that is all for romances, which we really enjoy, including a latest version of Weathering Heights. And if you love your period pieces like I do, then you can really enjoy that. There's also all kinds of documentaries. There's all kinds of series. Uh, and uh, so there's a lot of really wonderful films and shows that you can watch on Sundance Now. Uh, Sundance Now is available as low as $4.99 a month. That's an unbeatable price for award-winning content. And uh, so start your next obs streaming obsession now. Try Sundance Now free for 30 days by going to SundanceNow.com. Use promo code Hallmarkies. That's SundanceNow.com code Hallmarkies for 30 days of free streaming. SundanceNow.com code Hallmarkies. Oh, <laughs> there. Yeah. There, she's a lot of fun on set too. That day, those those days with them are a lot of fun. Tell they're us, fun, tell they're us. They're really fun people. Well, I mean, they just have, they all have great chemistry together. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but they're also, you know, they're they're not the kinds of, of lead actors that a lot of shows have. They're very humble and they're very... Uh, they're, they have very strong personalities. They're still leads, but they're, they tend to they tend to use that for good. Um, we just we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. I don't think I have any specific stories about those guys. Um, yeah, we just they were they're just a lot of fun to work with. That's a fun, easy set to be on. We kind of already guessed that, but it's always nice to hear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice to get confirmation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. Shane follows Michael to the cemetery because why wouldn't she? And <laughs> and of course, then we get that that emotional scene of seeing your character read the letter, dealing with the fact that you know not only was his wife raped, but he accused her of cheating right before she died and then left. Um, and then he vows to kill the the kill the rapist. Yeah. <sighs> dark man michael's michael's angry and sad <laughs> yeah and so um shane brings that information to the team and begins her hacking because again why wouldn't she <laughs> and um they learn that the man who assaulted melissa uh, i think his name, first name was carl carl brackner um is possibly gonna be released he's got another appeal on the way and if it's granted he could get released and so they begin to think, well, now we, we have a moral responsibility to, to do something about this. 
And of course, well, always is very uncomfortable. There, there's always there's always Norman's way of handling things. What if he couldn't walk? I have a cousin dead. Norman. <laughs> Norman has a cousin for everything. <laughs> Norman has a cousin for everything. <laughs> for any situation. Like a Hallmark card for any situation. There's a cousin in a party. <laughs> Well, and I think Michael's Michael's line in the courtroom subs it all all perfectly. Who are you people? Who are you know, just, <laughs> that, that's a great line, and it's delivered perfectly because they are so quirky, and they're they are so quirky, and they are a ragtag band, and you know they and they're the the newly formed team of the Postables. Just who are you people? And I mean, they they come up to him like one by one too. It's not like this band of people just swarm this poor man. It's like Rita's over there, like, yeah. Hi, can I sit here? Oh no, okay. I'm just gonna sit over here. And then you have Shane with all her knowledge just pokes her head out of nowhere. <laughs> and then Oliver comes up. So well done, the leader of the band. <laughs> Are we at the point? Are we up to the point where where I'm where I want, where I sneak into the courtroom? Do you guys want to hear that story? Yes, yes, oh, yes. yes. Let's go. <laughs> so, so uh, sneaking into the courtroom, we had to figure out a way for me to get past uh, for me to get past the um, metal detector, right? Because I had a gun in my suitcase, right? So. Uh, the way we did it was I, I, I pretended that I was on a phone call about a client and I'm saying, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's Hertha Lewis in, uh, uh, Thompson, North Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. Hertha H E R T H. And as I'm saying all this, I pull the, uh, I, I, I kind of slide my, my, um, suitcase around the other side and give it to the, to the security guy to just let me let me through because he knows me because I'm right. the DNA. and uh, and the funny thing about it was Scott said okay that's great but I don't think you can say Hertha Lewis and I because we don't we don't <laughs> know who she is and if she gets I said I promise you she won't get angry Hertha oh, Lewis was a real person <laughs> Hertha Lewis is my grandmother <laughs> oh <laughs> oh I love and I wanted to, so, so that was like, I wanted to, I've I always try to, I did another one on, um, at another show where I had to pretend I was talking about somebody and I, and I put my dad's mom in. That was my mom's mom, Hertha Lewis. And then my dad's mom is Agnes Edwards and neither of them are with us anymore, but I, I know my parents are watching every episode. So right. I, do it, I don't oh. tell them. Oh, I do it and I never so tell them funny. until, and then I know if they've watched the episode or not. They'll call me and they'll go, oh, you put grandma in there? Yeah. <laughs> That's classic. Yeah. Nice little cameo over there. <laughs> yeah. Try to throw them in there. That's that's great. <laughs> yes. And so your character is able to sneak into the courtroom with his gun. Yep. And as uh, I think Casey talked about, they all just sort of surround him and um they lovingly help the lawyer with his arguments. Uh, yeah. Rita and Shane provided some facts <laughs> on the court <laughs> cases. <laughs> but I, you know, I love that that moment with Shane because she says, you know, if nobody's going to take, you know, this judge seriously, who's going to take this judge or here, 
if nobody's going to take that ruling from, I can't remember what year it was, who's going to, you know, 1898. Listen, <laughs> 1898. Thank you. <laughs> Hope that was a trivia question. That was um, not a trivia, but good job. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but who is going to listen to this judge's, you know, rulings, you know, 40, 50, 20 years from now? And I was like, wow, that is, that's deep. It's very that's a deep. good point. And it's very true, you know? Absolutely. In the courtroom, um, Oliver is able to convince Michael to trade his briefcase for a packet of papers that contains important medical information about his daughter. We're never really given what that information is, at least at that point. Um, But we do get the good news that the judge decides to uphold the jury's original verdict. And so Brackner will remain in prison. He will not be released. So we do get that good news. So I have and a question then, here for Lane. Do you think that Michael had, do you think he inherently knew it was, it was the right thing to do to trade in the paper or trade in the briefcase for the papers? Or do you think he, he didn't want to, um, but he was curious, like, what do you think his feelings were in that moment? Because, I mean, these are four strangers that are approaching him right in the middle of a court case. <laughs> Well, I'd have to I'd have to watch the episode again um, to know exactly what you know what the lines were and what what um, Oliver said to him. But if mm-hmm. he thought it was anything to do with his daughter, then I think he would have automatically it, there would have been no. I think I think there would have been no no uh, no question in his mind that he would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think he wanted revenge. Yeah, uh, I think he he wanted twelve years. Uh, to be answered for. Um, but I also, and, and for the, and for the, the sexual assault of his wife to be answered for. Mm-hmm. But I think the most important thing to Michael by then by far was, was his relationship with his daughter. And if there was any kind of, if it, if it had anything to fit, if that, if the medical papers had anything to do with his daughter and he knew that, um, then he would have wanted to see them. That would have been the most important thing to at that point. Oliver, Oliver does implicate the daughter, and then he says, please, you have to believe me. This is life or death. Yeah. So, the, yeah. No question in his mind at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he gets that information, and then we uh, get to the jail scene where uh, Michael visits Brackner in prison. Which and- took a lot of guts. <laughs> that was an, quite a challenging scene. Yeah, I was going to say, like, um, it's very interesting because we we have a very complete 360 of emotions for Michael. You know, he he's, you know, was vengeful and like, I, I want to kill him. And then in this scene, we see him much different. You know, he he doesn't approach him with that anger. Um, there's almost like a humility about him now. Like, he, I mean, it's, it's for his daughter now. So obviously that's different. Um, but, you know, kind of like we talked about earlier, there's this kind of overarching theme of redemption versus revenge. And we see, you know, that in this moment of that ability for Carl Brackner to have a little bit of redemption and being able to help Abby, uh, who's his daughter, out there in that scene. Yeah, and him finding out about her for the first time um, Mm -hmm. was probably, I mean, I thought thought Aaron Pearl was phenomenal in that. Oh, he does an amazing job of being evil. I was like, oh my gosh, his eyes, I can't look. Well, he's, you know, he's an evil guy. No, he's not. He's <laughs> he is. He's really great. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the, 
Yeah, the challenge to that scene was, was uh, I think, um, that uh, Michael needed, Michael had to have uh, a serial rapist's kidney. How do you go, how do you go and, how do you go and ask somebody like that for their kidney? Um, and that was sort of what, that was, I think, this whole, if he came in hot, even the least bit hot, then he's not getting anywhere with that guy. So he had to come in mm -hmm. with humility and, um, and, and go about getting it that way. And a little that's bit what, more, you know? That's what I got from your performance is there was a very big sense of desperation. Like I better play nice because I need something and I need it badly. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. it was really important. And again, the, the writing was really connected. Pictures of Abby, and and the pictures of Abby and Kimberly, I mean, th those were just that whole, the way it was all set up, Scott, God, I mean, I can't stress enough how, how much it matters to be given a safe space to be able to risk that kind of vulnerability and emotion uh, and have that given to you and have the support and, and be able to... Um, be able to work within that, in that kind of an environment. Um, it was just phenomenal. It's the most, I've told Scott this, I did a, a project with him uh, last year and, and uh, uh, I've told him that um, th this was my favorite, the, my favorite job as far as the relationship with my director, the, the, the collaboration and um, the trust that he had for us and that that we had for him and 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 then he's un, he's an unbelievably professional and technically sound director but he's just so incredibly kind and gentle and warm and and there and it's not it's not normal there's definitely kindness and there's definitely directors are are there there's always they're always they're rarely they're rarely bad to work with they're rarely jerks i'm not a there's not with the stuff that I do. I mean, I'm sure when you get into Hollywood and some of the egos of really huge studio productions, it can be horrible. But with the stuff that we do, most of our directors are great. But Scott's got this level of dedication and, and an enormous generosity of spirit that quietly comes out of him and that he, that he, that he, that he, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. There's just such an unbelievable kindness there. And, and a willingness for him to be vulnerable around what he believes the, the scene is about and what and, and the work is about. So a lot of that stuff around peace and forgiveness and, and all of that came from him. He doesn't have an ego. He doesn't, no, he's never trying to be cool. It's like, what is going to serve the truth of this story the best? And that was our, always our focus and our goal. So in a scene like that, where there's so much at stake, um, being able to work within that kind of an environment and in those kinds of parameters and just never feel, always feel safe for every take. Every take's going to be safe. Every take he's going to do what he can to help us get there and to allow us to, to really take the risks that we need to take here. Um, it was just an unbelievable experience. It was, a, it was an unbelievable experience. It's one of my favorite acting experiences of, of my career, truly. Yeah.
That's awesome. Hey, I knew that I wanted seems, to that audition. Specific. I mean, what's that? I, knew I, I just, I said, I've, I've auditioned a time or two for a Hallmark movie and I'm like, now I'm even more motivated. I'm going. <laughs> and I want to, and I want to go, fi- if I can't get, if I can't get any, any old job, I'm going for a Scott Smith one. <laughs> oh, it's such a pleasure to work with. Oh man. Yeah, and I think the word you said, vulnerable, I think that's actually the perfect word for the, I kept thinking, like, I'm trying to, like, put this scene into words, and I think that's actually the, the right word. Like, that's the expression, you know, you portrayed for Michael, and even Oliver in the background, and Eric Mabius, you just see that, like, I don't even know how to describe it, like, the emotions for both you and Eric in that scene are just, like, on point, and, like, being able to portray that just in your, in your facial expressions. Yeah, there's, I think- there's so much at stake. I think even Aaron Pearl showed mm-hmm. the first bit of vulnerability that a serial rapist can show. <laughs> yeah. but it was amazing right there how with one line and then how he said it, they made him human. Mm-hmm. She looks like my mother. Yeah. 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 And I said, is that a good thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and you're trying not to sob and we're all sobbing for you <laughs> so in that moment um and maybe it was you know something that the audience didn't see but it was there when do you think that michael truly forgave carl do you think it was you know off 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 the scene before when he knew or was it meaning no, I think when he stands up and he says, uh, um, she has blue eyes like you and she's tall. Mm. And, and uh, he has to really actually look at what her, it's the moment that he accepts that that's her dad. Mm. And yeah. he has to, because he's leaving. Right. And he, so he stands up and he says, uh, she's tall like you and she has blue eyes. And, and then he kind of lists all the ways that, mm-hmm. that she's just like him. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the moment. Yeah. At the, at the very, it might not be, forgiveness is such a long road, you know, it might not, it might not be the moment that he forgives him completely, but it's the moment that he accepts for himself who he is in relation to his daughter. Right, it's the right. beginning of the road back for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just have to put a point in for casting because when you see the two pictures of the two actresses next to each other, I mean, there is a huge resemblance right there, but they don't look exactly alike, obviously, but it's just, it was the perfect casting because there was such a mix and, but you, but they still resembled each other. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. And not only that, but Stephanie Bennett and Kimberly Sestet are two of the best actresses in this country. They really, really, really are. They're, um, I could, I could go on about uh, a show here that Stephanie Bennett played a character in called Romeo Section uh, for a season that was an unbelievably challenging character um and and she she's she is a very she's a rare talent and i think we all know kim sestad in, in her roles from hallmark she's she is a phenomenal actress who brings a different kind of who brings a different kind of lead to hallmark yeah I agree. she's a strong she's a strong no bs kind of a person <laughs> and that comes through in her work and it's refreshing Yes, and we love her. Yeah. I would love her to see a be, be a lead on a, more movies. So you never know what can happen when all this is over. 
That's right. <laughs> be a whole new world. <laughs> she right. won. Uh, she won our Hallmarkies podcast uh, mm-hmm. Princess Award. For, oh, wow. for best supporting actress of 2019 and oh, that was by a vote uh we we put the polls out and because uh she was nominated and, oh, yeah, and that's and great she won, she won love yeah. that. we all love her we love her yeah me too <laughs> all right so that um after that scene we see michael we don't really hear it but we know he tells abby that you know they've some of the story at least and she is able to be um get her kidney and be saved and then we end up back with the postables who are getting ready to be honored for their great achievement and we have norman walking in like dressed up like 007 (laughs) (laughs) his glasses (laughs) his little line shaken not stirred for an arnold palmer (laughs) oh yeah that's right I remember that line. I remember thinking that's a great line. (laughs) Okay. I don't drink, so I know nothing about alcohol. So what's an what's an Arnold Palmer? Coca-Cola and lemonade. See, I think it's tea and lemonade. Tea and lemonade. Okay. It's tea and yeah, you know what? You're right. It's iced tea and lemonade. It's iced tea. I don't drink I don't drink tea either, so that's why I didn't know that. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah, it's not it's not alcohol, which is why it's funny. It's It's a kid's drink. It's like a Shirley Temple. But for now that I have had. I have had many Shirley Temples and I love them. It's a, it, it's a perfect drink for him. Perfect drink for him. Oh my, oh that's, oh now that's even funnier. That line is even funnier now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. So they are all there to be honored, but what they do not know is that they get all get bestowed the Dark of Night Awards, which is like, the Super Bowl ring of the, you know, the post office. It's the, the greatest honor that they can have. And it's an incredibly big deal for Oliver. And that is where we, we end on that episode with, with that, that award. And Shane's eyes never leave Oliver. The moment that she hears Dark of Night, her eyes immediately go to Oliver and her eyes don't leave him because she knows just how much this means to him. Mm-hmm. And we have a little foreshadowing for possibly where their relationship's going to go down the road. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to get married. It just takes forever and a day. (laughs) And, you know, it's interesting. The attention's got to be there as long as possible. (laughs) It's got to take It, It just hit me. I think it's really funny that you're... You're uh, or in this episode where they first get the Dark Knight Awards, and then when you come back as Kim Sickle, it's an episode that revolves around Dark Knight Awards again, and they just like oh my gosh, gosh. <laughs> so, yeah. right. Martha, did you plan that? We need to know. <laughs> she didn't. I'll tell you how I know that. Just to give you a little uh, foreshadowing for that that uh, one in a million episode, I wasn't the original Kim Sickle. Whoa! Whoa! Okay. Mind blown. <laughs> I to say about that. I, we can talk more about that. We can talk more about that uh, when we when we go through that episode. But you hear that, Postables? He's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> it's just in. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Oh man, my mind is blown. My mind. <laughs> mind blown. I blew your mind. That's great. 
I love blown minds. My hearty mind has been blown, and now my postable mind has been blown. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> my hearty mind was blown by Andrew Walker, and now my postable mind has been blown by Lane Edwards. So. How did Andrew Walker blow your hearty mind? He told me that it was down to him and Daniel Lissing for Jack. Yeah, and I went, oh, (laughs) I had no idea. So I had a very, I had a very genuine reaction on the podcast. We'll just say that. (laughs) Visceral. I think my, so I'm really bad at recognizing uh, people on screen, especially if they do the double thing. So it took me a little bit to realize that you played both Michael and <laughs> Kim Sickle. They're so different. They and were the, so yeah. like, even like uh, wardrobe wise, mm-hmm. hair mm-hmm. wise, like they're just, compl- they're such completely different characters. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why I got to do it. I think, I think that's, that was what it was, was it had been so long that I think a lot of people probably wouldn't have remember, remember it. So I wouldn't feel I wouldn't feel too bad. Well, you're in good company because Amelia Ullerup, she mm-hmm. played two different roles on the mm-hmm. on the series. Oh, she so, played Dale. What was no. it? No, she didn't just play Dale. She was in she was in the uh, uh, Soulmates, Soulmates episode. Oh wow! Yeah, and she played she played the uh, the love interest in the letter story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then, but again, it was different hair color i didn't i didn't recognize yeah it, it took yeah. us all a while to recognize her because they the characters are so different and they dyed her hair differently and they did the makeup differently so yeah it took us all a while so <laughs> oh my goodness any last uh, thoughts or impressions before we end with our trivia <laughs> no, no. Lane's warming up for the trivia. <laughs> Ooh, all right. Okay. So, so Jess, I, I don't, I don't know because Lane's, Lane's been, he hasn't seen the episode in a while. So, when you ask the trivia, should we give him first crack before Casey and I try to jump in? <laughs> well, that's a good idea. <laughs> I don't have to buzz. <laughs> okay, that's good. I like that. I'll take it. You know, I feel like these we, are kind of harder ones. It's hard mind. to find yeah, trivia. We, for this we one. have a, you know, we have a celebrity in our midst, so we we should, you know, we, we have a, we'll honor that. <laughs> I just have to. I'm trying to. I'm okay. Go ahead. I'm going to try to remember. Okay, go. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> Four questions. Okay. All right. First one. What is the name of Michael's best friend slash Michelle's ex boyfriend? Barry. <laughs> right. Oh, very nice. Off Played by Giles Payton. Giles, <laughs> Giles Panton. Panton, dang it. <laughs> I knew that. I knew that. Half point for Cammie. Yeah. Half a point. Half point. Quarantine brain. I blame it. <laughs> All right. Number two. What year did Melissa die? I'm not even going to guess because I don't want to take the wrong, a- the right answer out of one of your hands with luck. So I don't know. <laughs> All right. Three, two, two, one. 2004. 2003. Four. Four. Right. 2004. Oh. Oh, Very close. One off. One off. Yeah, you guys are doing good. I thought these were going to be hard ones. Sweetie. They are. When, we're just when really you, smart. 
when you and I were what Jess and I watched the episode together, we we uh, put our phones on Messenger and then pushed play at the exact same time. <laughs> we, this is how we entertain ourselves during quarantine. I love it. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> but. But at one point we said, oh, pause for a second. And I wrote down the dates when she was born this date. She died this date because <laughs> I had me pause. Yeah. I knew you were going to ask uh, that. So I wrote I'm it be down. ready for one in a million. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's going to comb through that with a fine tooth comb. <laughs> All right. Question three. What type of gun did Michael have? Uh, a revolver. And by type, I meant... I mean, a Magnum, like, uh, a Magnum the, 357. Um, <laughs> like make and model, make and model. Magnum 357. Nope. I don't know. So can we go ahead? 6R P2S, P229. Ding, ding, ding. What? <laughs> How do you know that? And what is Put that? Put it down. <laughs> How does that come out in the, in the, in the, in the. It's so quick. It is so quick. When Shane's doing her whole hacking thing, she's uh, just, her fingers are flying. And, uh, and she said, he's going to kill him with the Sig Sar. He's, he has registered in his name. And then, and then Oliver, Oliver in the courtroom mm -hmm. says the PT, the P229. I know it. I just can't say it. The P229 in your briefcase. And mm -hmm. I immediately went back and I wrote that in a little. Holy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Woo. Man, yeah. you're in some tough company here. This is. Yeah. <laughs> this might be the best trivia one we've had. Usually, well, usually because I'm on the other end and I don't know anything. So, <laughs> oh, no, that's it's true. fun. It's fun when Casey <laughs> or I are asking the questions. <laughs> All right, so it's two to one to zero. Is this the last question? Yes, but it has no multiple offense, answers, it so an option for multiple points. Uh, that was, that was Ooh, multiple answers, multiple. multiple points. Okay, here we go. So we, brief, on, we briefly talked about it, but not much detail. This is the episode where we get the name The Postables. Norman and Rita totally geek out and <laughs> decide that they are going to call themselves The Postables. There are four other names that Norman is throwing out. As they discuss, name any of those four <laughs> team any names of those that four? Norman talks about. Mm -hmm. um, I remember this. I remember this scene, but I can't. I can't remember, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna guess because I don't want to take the right answer. No, no, no. Guess, guess, guess. Go for it. I can't. Yeah. No. Incredibles. I was gonna say the Incredibles. Mm -hmm. That's um, one. I don't remember any of the others. <laughs> Fantastic Kimmy. Four. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, I didn't write down any. The Amazings, the Incredible, the Incredibles, the uh, uh, I don't know. I wrote I down in my I head. The, I wrote down the the uh, the swag that they wanted, but I didn't write <laughs> down the names. <laughs> Guys, ready to hear them? Yes. All right. Lane, you were kind of trying to get there, I think. A team. Uh, a team, SEAL Team 6, and Impossible Missions Force. Oh, bro. Or the other three. <laughs> Thank goodness none of those made it. Can you imagine the Twitter handle for those? Oh, man. Hashtag <laughs> SEAL Team 6. <laughs> <laughs> or SEAL Team 4, because there's only four of them. 
<laughs> I think you should draw the line at capes. <laughs> oh yeah. That is one of my favorite patches. <laughs> that is my fa- that is one of my favorite lines in the entire episode. I think you should draw the line at capes. <laughs> Uh, Casey, can we get Postables capes on our merch store? Oh, yes. Oh. Is that an option? (laughs) That's not an option, but I can design little capes on the back of a shirt. (laughs) And then put the, and then put the quote. I think you should draw the line at capes. That would be so fun. (laughs) I'm on it. (laughs) We have a merch store, Lane. Amazing. I love it. I love it. Here's the plug for the merch store. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, awesome job with that trivia. You guys nailed it. I didn't. I thought those were going to be really hard, but Cammy apparently just knows when to write things down. She could read my mind now. <laughs> um, so to end, uh, Lane, do you have any social media you would like to share with our listeners? Uh, you can always follow me on uh, Lane underscore Edwards 14 at Instagram, uh, Lane Edwards on Twitter. And uh, that's probably, those are probably the two places to follow me. I don't really do Facebook very much. Um, yeah, so that's probably it. I love, I love, to, I, I, I communicate a lot with postables on Twitter. Yes, we, we notice and, little, and we appreciate on, on that a lot. What's that? I said, we, we notice that and we appreciate it. The only thing I have to say about Twitter is if you follow me on Twitter, be prepared to learn uh, a little bit about the Vancouver Canucks. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs) Because let's be real, that's the most important thing in my life. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I still remember, I was actually watching this episode. I was watching the Dark of Night episode. I was sick in bed. And I just said, you know what? That I am newly hit with how amazing this episode is. I'm just gonna, you know, be out there and tweet Lane Edwards and tell him how much I loved his performance. And I think 10 minutes later, you replied to me and said, thank you so much and get better. I was like, oh, uh-huh. thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, it's a pleasure to be able to communicate with people while they're watching you do what you do it's it's kind of wonderful so i like to it do really it is. with our fans on twitter yeah awesome. off postable stuff i mean i've really enjoyed everything i've seen you in on hallmark with um your roles in the gourmet detective <gasps> that, that one had me a little shook because i was like no he's the bad guy so long I yeah <laughs> not it was, our lane <laughs> It was, it was so good. It was so good. So good. It's fun to be the bad guy. Yeah. yeah. But still, Arlene. Arlene. I know. I know. <laughs> hey, a lot of sides to this person. A lot of sides. Yeah. As he's scratching his <laughs> Very, very yeah. mysteriously. <laughs> and then playing the ex in A Perfect Bride 2, opposite oh, Pascal. We love that movie. That was so fun. Podcast, I love so Pascal. You know. Yes. She's and then a real, you- She's a real fun person to work with oh i'm sure just but we love that movie watching. and so we we've talked about it often and we say how great yeah. you did how great she did how great the two of you did together and how great Kevin's part mm-hmm. was in it mm-hmm. yeah we it's it meshed so incredibly well yes nice. and i think it was the debbie gibson movies the the two <laughs> also the, husband. the husband <laughs> also with Pascal, yeah. and uh and with um 
Uh, Lauren McNamara, who played my daughter, who's a wonderfully talented uh, young young woman. Nice. Um, she's coming up. She's uh, had a lead recently in Aliens Ate My Homework, and she's just like mm -hmm. taking off. She is going to be a Hallmark star. Mark my words. Oh, good. For I believe her. Actually, she yeah. might be a lot of things star, but she's definitely <laughs> going to be a Hallmark star. She's a wonderful, wonderful actress and a yeah. really great person. We yeah. thought it very fun that you went from Pascal's husband to Pascal's ex-fiance. Ex-husband? You know? <laughs> <laughs> right, I left her at the altar. Yes. Shame on you. What a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I know we always look forward to seeing you in your, your upcoming roles and stuff, whatever that may be in the future. But we Thank always you. take a look out because we know that it's going to be really good and really fun. Uh, so thanks. I love, love doing them. Yeah. Um, all right, Cammie, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Cammie Drama Girl, on Facebook, the Hooked Hardy Facebook page, and my blog is hookedhardy.com. And Casey, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Hallmark My Words. All right, and you can follow me at on Twitter and Instagram at JessBSWBlog or check out my website, BeneathStillWaters.com. And you can follow the podcast at Hallmarkies Pod or Hallmarkies Podcast across all social media platforms, including iTunes and YouTube. If you are listening on iTunes, please leave us your reviews and ratings. And um, if you're listening on, or watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. And that's also, where it's you fun. About, <laughs> that's where you can see our faces. And check out the merch store, which we talked about. We have lots of specific postables products and designs. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, Lane, for joining us. I know the postables are going to be so glad to see you on here and be, so be prepared for, for the me. tweeting storm. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I think we had, I think we talked one other time and we ended up, we're, we're talking about going to the Olive Garden to do this next. The last time we all talked. Um, but this was just as much fun. That's awesome. Well, if you can't do Olive Garden, what better way? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially during these times. Yeah. Yeah. Texas, Florida to Can Indianapolis, you're fine. But Texas and Florida to Canada for dinner. That's one in well, that's one expensive meal. You know? <laughs> that's an expensive podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next time for Stay healthy, everyone. Stay safe. Take care of each other. Bye everybody. Bye, Bye everybody.